Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. There are several things in this text that are really, really interesting. Of course, there isn't all of God's word things that are really interesting. But what he's saying here is that um, the Father honors the Son and the Son honors the Father. And he made a couple of statements along this line that would kind of get by us if we're not careful. He said that the son does nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for whatsoever things he does, these the, the son does also. So he's talking about this concept of honoring. And he said if you honor the son, you honor the father, and that's a key ingredient to the life that we enjoy in God now and in Jesus Christ, that we honor Jesus and when we do, we honor the Father. Now, that term honor kind of gets away from us at times. Uh, we're required to honor Jesus as the Son of God. We're required to honor the Father. And yet, we're not always sure that we know how to do that. Now, there's, there's a statement in the book of Revelation, a couple of them that I want to read to you, that, that uh, involve some figurative language, some language that's drawn from the Old Testament that's, that's designed to make an impression on our minds. It's symbolic language, that is language that is stated in signs that represents something else. But what they're representing basically in these, two, these texts that I want to read to you is the fact that, uh, that the Father is to be honored and there are those who are honoring Him in such a way and they're doing it by saying some things. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 through 11, it says the four beasts. He's talking about the four living creatures. One had the face of a man. Another had the face of an eagle, the face of an ox, and then, then also the face of a lion. So there are four different images there, probably representing all of living sentient beings, all of living creatures. Anyway, it says the four beasts each had six wings around him. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day nor night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. That's part of the song that we're singing, by the way. And when these beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. So we have the, the image of these different symbolic individuals who are making this statement that God is worthy of honor and glory. Now they're talking about the Father. 
as they surround his throne. But they use the same phrase in relationship to Jesus. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, if you'll listen to this, he says, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, all the same group there. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Okay. The same individuals giving the same type of honor or prestige to the Father and to the Son. And then that praise is given to both of them in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude. Now I want to say this before I get too far along. It's repeated three times. One to the Father, one to the Son, and one to both of them together. Must mean something. It probably means that we have a hard time getting the point across that we have to give honor and glory and esteem to God and to the Son. That we need to be mindful of that. Okay. Revelation 7, 9 through 12, he said, After this I behold, and a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders and the four beasts, and fell down before the throne. You have all the same cast of characters here. On their faces, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessed glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Honor. Honor to the Father. Honor to the Son. Honor to both of them. Now that's what Jesus was saying. He said, He that honors the Son honors the Father. He that dishonors the Son dishonors the Father. And he made a statement in that. Basically, he said, whatever the Son is doing is what the Father does. So there's something about that that involves honor. Okay. In John 8, verse 49, Jesus said, when they accused him of having a devil, he said, I, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Jesus was saying somehow his life, what he was saying, what he was doing, was giving honor, credit, to his father. He was exalting somehow. He was exalting his father. He was given the right to be honored by his father. His father honored him. In 2 Peter 1 verse 17, Peter said, He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. You are my beloved son. The father honored the son by identifying himself completely with his son. That's an honor. He said, he's the one I'm, in whom I'm well pleased. Then in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, at verse 5 through 9. This is a good one. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come wherever we speak. So, but one in a certain place testified saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? Who are we to be receiving any kind of honor? Or the Son of Man that you visit Him. You made Him a little lower than the angels. You crowned Him with glory and honor 
and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see yet not all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So God put some kind of trust in his son, didn't he? He honored him. He said, this is the one that I trust. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Our opening text says that all men should honor the son as they honor the father on the same level. And he that honors not the son doesn't honor the father. Now we have a typical way of of human beings of of, uh, granting honor to individuals. We do. We, we have ways that we can display honor to our fellow man and memorialize that individual and their accomplishments. Now, these ways are intended to uh, give credit and honor to them. Some illustrations would be monuments. If we're going to honor someone, we build them a, a giant monument so that when people pass by, they say, Ah, oh, They thought a lot of that individual, didn't they? For instance, the old Egyptians built the pyramids, and these were tombs of pharaohs and those those that had great importance in their lives. Of course, we've forgotten all about who they were. But at the same time, this was man's attempt to honor someone. And so they they, uh, honored the the pharaohs by by building of a tomb that was the pyramid. And the Sphinx. Hanging gardens of Babylon were built to honor Nebuchadnezzar. Colossus of Rhodes honored a a deity. The Temple of Artemis is the same thing. These are the seven wonders of the ancient world. The lighthouse of Alexandria and so forth. These were monuments built because that was man's attempt to honor someone. I want to give honor. I want to pour some glory. I want to clothe that individual with honor. In our day, we see the monuments of individuals and events around the world that are designed to honor achievements. We see a, a, a statue of a general, for instance, or of a president. The famous scholars and presidents that have achieved wonders in the world of science, for instance. Mount Rushmore was intended to honor uh, the presidents, our past presidents. Grant's tomb is built in honor of President Grant and also General Grant. And the Lincoln Memorial was an honor, an honor to Abraham Lincoln. Now, these are monuments that we have built to give honor. Now, that, that, that sort of a thing probably doesn't apply to God and shouldn't, that we build that type of a monument to remember him. That, that probably doesn't honor him. As a matter of fact, when God set, set forth his commandments, he began with the commandment that precludes such exhibits from honoring him. He said, don't do that for me. Don't do that. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 through 5 says, You shall not make you any graven image of any likeness of anything that is heaven above, that's in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You will not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and the third, fourth generation of them that hate me. 
A word of caution here. We don't have pictures of Jesus for that very reason, I think. We have no image of him. We have no monument of him. Sometimes people make images of him, and all of a sudden it becomes a fetish for us, and so we think by having a picture of Jesus on a cross somewhere that that is giving honor to him. But God said, be careful of that. Don't do that. Colossians 2 verse 18 says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Sometimes even the cross itself becomes a monument that we believe gives honor to God. But the cross actually was a, a, a monument of disgrace. That, that was where Jesus died and where all sin was collected of humanity and there was the punishment of God visited upon that place rather than being a monument of honor and glory. So we have to be very careful when we think about putting on display something that will honor God. We also think in terms of declarations. We can honor God by making great declarations. Well, these declarations come about in, in, different, in a lot of different forms. We want the one who is honored to have some, some uh, significance whenever we see a statement made or their name plastered somewhere. We think, well, this is the way we can honor God. Okay. Uh, on our coins, in God we trust. Well, we, uh, we know that's not the case. We, we actually trust, when we talk about money, we're trusting, we're trusting our money. We're trusting the Federal Reserve. We're trusting the gold that's behind the currency and so forth, which is not there anymore, or the silver is not there anymore. Anyway, what we're talking about when we use these terms... We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to somehow give honor to God. And even often you'll see above some courthouses and above some judicial uh, places of, of uh, justice, the Ten Commandments displayed there. Somehow in, the, in our minds we think, well, this is the way we can give honor to, to God by, by displaying his commandments or by putting a bumper sticker on our car or putting a symbol of a fish on our car. So these are ways that we have tried to devise in our minds of getting honor to God. We honor people. Obviously, that's, that's how we do it. We will name, a, we'll name a river after someone that we think would give them honor. We'll name a, a street or a boulevard. Or we'll even name a town. Victoria was after Queen Victoria or St. Louis was after Louis, the king of France. So, so we, we name streets, we name towns, we name rivers, we name lakes after individuals thinking that this is the way we, we give honor to them. So we, we're, we're actually struggling with this idea, aren't we, of honoring someone. How do we honor their memory? Well, that, that's, that's something we try to do. And then, then oftentimes we'll, we'll try to honor him by somehow putting on a public display of that individual, that, that we remember them in this way. So there was a, there was a statement made by Jesus that, that kind of answers to this point. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, when he's talking about prayer. Now, what I'm talking about is a public prayer that's offered as sort of a concession to God. I'm not talking about prayers that humble people offer because 
they love God and have dependence on him. I'm talking about some of these public displays of prayers. And they're very well organized. They're well, well thought out. They're written out and so forth. And so that the public display is to make the impression that, yes, we have a great dependence on God. We want to offer him and we want to uh, honor him in this way. But Jesus said, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be sin of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. When you shut the door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for the much speaking. So I'm just offering a word of caution here. The public dis- dis- display of honor may not be honorable in, in and of itself. It may not be that which God intends for us to do to, to give him honor or give his son honor. Then, of course, there's a demonstration. This is likely the most obvious human attempt to honor Jesus and his Father. Some sort of public demonstration that we believe in him. It involves such things as festivals and parades. The most notable are the festivals and celebrations that surround two events during the year, Christmas and, uh, and Easter. These are the, the most obvious events that we contrive to give honor to God, to give honor to Jesus. And we can applaud those who want to call attention to Jesus in these two events, but we have to caution that there's nothing in the scriptures that encourage these types of celebrations. There's nothing in the New Testament, nothing in the scriptures say, in order to honor my son, you ought to have a, you ought to celebrate his birthday. There's nothing there. Now, again, I say, I applaud people that want to remember him. But what we're talking about is when Jesus said, I want you to honor me, he did not, he did not say anything about celebrating his birthday. So that's, that's something that we have contrived as individuals to do that. And so we have to be cautious when we engage in things like that, that we, we not say, well, this is what God wants us to do. That's, that's not, not what the Bible talks about in terms of honoring him. And the same thing with his, with his resurrection and hunting Easter eggs and talking about the Easter bunny and the return of the sun in the, in the wintertime or in the springtime. So... Let's talk in a little more concrete terms. In order to honor Jesus, we should be able to recognize who he is. Give him recognition. Now that, that should be a, a, a sense of, of honor. He is the Son of God. And he is worthy of our admiration, of our respect, and our reverence. His name is not a curse word. It's not a byword. It is a word that's filled with dignity and honor. Jesus, the Son of God. He's not another God. He's not on the same level as Siddhartha Gautama. He's not like the prophets that pretend to have represented him. He's not like Buddha. He's not like the gods that have been invented for him along and throughout history. Jesus Christ is by himself supreme. So in order to honor him, we should recognize that. 
we should recognize that he's not in the list of gods that we can give, give uh, recognition or honor to, that he is the only true and living God. He is the Son of God. And his name is above every name that's named. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. And we're just talking now, not about what you're doing physically, but we're talking about what is in your mind and what's in your heart. How do you view Jesus? What do you think about him? How do you feel about him? Do you allow others to set some other gods alongside him and say, well, in order to be broad-minded, we ought to list all of these other gods as well and not not actually uh, diminish anybody away from Jesus. But Jesus diminishes everyone because he is exalted above everyone. Philippians 2, verse 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him. That is, he's put him above everyone. And give him a name which is above every name. Now for me to honor Jesus, I need to recognize that. That his name is above every name. He's not on the same level as all those who've been contrived and brought up through the fantasy of human history. He's not. He's above all those. He is the Son of the Living God. At the name of Jesus, every name, every knee should bow. Of he- things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He has the status of being above every living being, humanity and angelic. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 through 6 says, being so much made so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Which of the angels did he say at any time? You are my son, this day have I begotten you. And again, I'll be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. And when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. He has the importance and dignity of royalty above all royalty. He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. Revelation 1 verse 5. And He is stated so in several other texts in the book of Revelation 17, 4 and 19, 16. So when we think about Jesus and think about giving honor to Him, what we have to think about is He is not on the same level as every other human God that has been imagined and thought of and put forth for human consumption. He is not. He is above everyone. And for us to recognize that, we just have to recognize who He is. He is the Son of God. If we honor Him, we honor the Father. And then there's the business of compliance. Those who believe that Jesus is the Lord will comply with His wishes. It's called keeping His commandments. Now, His commandments are wrapped up in the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, it begins with faith. We, we hear the word of God, we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have faith in Him. Now, I'm talking about compliance. And when we talk about compliance, we're talking about not just going through the outward ritual, because that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was a law of rituals. So that when a person got through with everything that the Old Testament said that they were to do, that was it. However, the New Testament has to start with, the gospel has to start with faith, which says, I believe that Jesus has the right to tell me what I should do, 
And then I will do it because he said it. Not because it's a commandment. Because he said it. Because it's his will. So I'm honoring him. And that that means I don't second guess him. Let's just talk about the the business of baptism for for a minute. Jesus said, told the apostles, go into all the world and, and teach every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And he told them in another, Mark says, actually go preach the gospel, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, baptizing them for the remission of sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So we, we look at this business of baptism, and, and all of a sudden you have people saying, well, Maybe he didn't really mean baptism. Now, that, my friend, when you start that down that road, when you see what Jesus had said and see what he, what he told us to do and then second-guess him and say maybe he didn't mean that, maybe that's not what it means, maybe I don't have to do that, then what's happening? You're dishonoring God. Now, that's hard to say, isn't it? That's harsh. But that's the truth. You cannot honor Jesus Christ and not comply with what He said to do. Because now then you're saying, my judgment is every bit as good as yours. You follow? That's dishonoring Him. That's dishonorable. It's like a father telling a, a, a child to do something and the child does it but doesn't agree with it. And the first chance the child gets is going to do otherwise. If you don't agree with the one who's telling you to do something, then you're not really agreeing, are you? You're not honoring. So Jesus said, do this. And so, well, baptism is one issue, one, one thing. But there are other things. He tells us to forgive our enemies. And so we begin to think about this think, well, Maybe he didn't really mean forgive the enemies. Maybe I can do it another way. And we, we begin to think in other terms too. But the idea is, if we honor Jesus Christ and we're going to be compliant with what he told us to do, and there are a long list of things that Jesus wants us to do, basically. And it begins with faith. And faith tells us to get out of sin, and sin is listed for us in several texts. We can, we can read them, obviously, but we know what they are. We, can't commit, we shouldn't commit adultery. We shouldn't be angry without a cause. We shouldn't be saying things we should not be saying. We shouldn't be gossiping. We shouldn't be envying, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know what they are, but when we come to them and we begin to, to think, well, we will do them only to the extent that we agree with them. you follow me what I'm saying? If what he tells me to do does not agree with what I think I ought to do, then I'm not giving him honor. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But basically, let me look at Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? So he's talking about the difference between the law and grace. Grace says we're doing it because we love Jesus Christ and we honor Him. The law says that we're doing it because we need to keep the law and we're afraid if we don't keep the law, we're going to go to hell. Basically. That's the difference. It's the difference between the Spirit and the law. And the Spirit tells us that we believe in Jesus Christ and so we look to Him and whatever He tells us to do, we'll say, well, do it, Lord, because we know You are our God, that you are the Son of the living God, and that we'll comply with you. 
He said, Know ye not whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants are out of whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So we, we, we look for things in terms of compliance. If we're not careful, we, we look at things and say, Well, I've, I've kept this so much, but I really not, I'm not comfortable with that. So basically we're, we're uh, out of harmony with, with the will of God. Truly honoring Jesus comes with the concept of we'll, we'll do what he asks without questioning or doubting. We won't second guess him. We won't substitute our reasoning for his word. It's not honor when we only do what Jesus requests us when we agree with him. When we think that what we know is best instead of what, we, what he knows is best. Matthew 21, 32 said, John came unto you in the way of righteousness. You believed him not, but the publicans and harlots believed him. When you had seen it, you repented not after that you might believe him. That was these people who said, we don't agree with what God has told us to do. And that basically could happen to us. Now this next one, I think, probably more in line with what I'm trying to, trying to talk about. But we're talking about how we try to honor God. Loyalty generally means that we'll stand by another person for a cause, regardless of the consequences to ourselves. I will stand by you. I'll never leave you. I'll never quit you. I'll stand by you. Whatever you say, I agree with. I'm going to, I'm going to support what you say. In a matter of how we honor Jesus, it involves trusting his directions for our lives, putting our future in his hands, accepting his advice and counsel for our direction. It means we defer to his judgment. Okay. That's kind of nebulous, isn't it? Let me, make it, let me give you an illustration. When we have a dispute with someone, when we're in an argument, okay, man and wife, parents, children, friends, different ones. We believe that we can resolve that argument, first of all, by prevailing. If we can overpower the one who's arguing with us by logic, words, expressions, by humiliation, whatever it may be, if we can overpower them, then we can win the argument. We'll be all right. Now, that's not what Jesus re recommended, is it? Okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 through 21 says, Be of the same mind one toward another. So here's what Jesus wants. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. As much as it's possible, lies within you. Live peaceable with all men. Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. It's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. In so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now what we do when we get into these controversial situations is we believe that we can resolve the, the issue. The issue. And we believe we have the wisdom within ourselves to resolve it. Jesus said the way you resolve it is you give it up. You don't, you don't fight with them. Now you think within yourself, well, 
Okay, maybe I'll try that. Now, wait a minute. When you say, maybe I'll try that, what you're saying is, I don't have any confidence in Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Okay, he said to forgive an enemy. Well, let's see if it works. What do you mean, let's see if it works? What do you mean? Are you loyal to Jesus? Do you believe that he's telling you, giving you right instructions, and telling you how to do it? Isn't he? You're saying, well, I'll try it. See how it works. That's not, that's not loyalty. <laughs> that's saying, if it works, okay, I agree with you. If it doesn't work, you see, I didn't think it would anyway. You follow what I'm saying? Our inclination is to accept his advice, to try it, and then to decide whether or not it was right. This is the way we usually agree to comply when someone has authority over us, such as our parents says, do this, we'll do it, but we don't agree with it. Or someone else, maybe a boss, do this, we'll, we'll do it, we don't agree with it. You can't do that with Jesus. You either stand by him and be loyal and accept what he tells you to do. If he says forgive an enemy, if he says give honor to your neighbor, love your neighbor, if he says to be not angry, if he says to keep your mouth and keep your tongue and not say things you shouldn't say, if he says to, to uh, let go of your envy and your jealousy, and you think, well, maybe I'll try it. If it works, okay. If it doesn't work, you see the problem? We're talking about giving honor to God. You know what Jesus said? He said, I give honor to my Father. He said, I do what my Father would do. Now that's honor. I do what my Father would do. Now it's honor if we do what Jesus would do. That's honor. It's a simple matter to recognize that God knows what he's doing and what he calls sin. We live in a society that's not going to agree with that. We live in a society that says it's not sin to be a homosexual. It's not, it's not, it's not sin to, to take a human life, to abortion, whatever it may be. It's not sin to do a number of these things. We live in that kind of a society. But what do you think? Jesus said, and the Word is there, and sometimes as we're reading the Word, we're thinking, well, why did God do it this way? It doesn't make any difference. Why? If we honor Him, we know that what He did was right, and what He's doing is right. What He's requiring is right. And we are complying. Now, in order to show loyalty to Jesus, we stand with Him. Whatever He values... We value. Whatever his morals are, those are our morals. Whatever his ethics are, those are our ethics. Whatever his goals were in this life, those are our goals. Whatever his hope was, that's our hope. That's loyalty. And that's what God requires of us in order for us to honor his son. And I trust that you're doing that. I trust that you're trying to do that. And that's what I'm trying to do is give honor to Him. By compliance, obviously. By recognizing that He is the only true and living God. 
And certainly by conceding and, and being loyal to him, that's, that's what we can do. And in doing so, we can honor him. Of course, we have another way to honor him, and that is through the Lord's Supper. We give him honor in that sense, and that's what we're going to do in a few minutes. So I'm going to leave that with you at this point and, and for you to think about it. Whenever you do what God wants you to do, and whenever you do something that you don't want to do, but you know God wants you to do it, think about it in those terms. Think about honoring God in those terms. Now we're going to sing a song of invitation. Let's stand and sing that song, and then we'll have, I want to make a statement.